0: Dive in, let's look at the scriptures. If we are going to look at the Advent season, it's important that we study the history of what was going on. Jesus is born into the world at the at the close of what is known as the four hundred silent years in the scriptures. At the end of Malachi will be a prophetic warning, and it's a warning really about the coming of Jesus. And it says that I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, to a person hearing that, that would be bizarre because Elijah had already, been, had already lived his life and, and was, was now gone. But the Lord says, I'm going to send Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he'll restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that they, I will not come and smite the lamb with a curse. And so that's how the beginning of the 400 silent years, and what the 400 silent years are, is a time we refer to when Yahweh stops talking to his kids, his people, the nation of Israel. It goes dormant. There's no longer the voice of God in their culture. Now this has been something that's been a part of their culture. They've always had the voice of the Lord. They've always had the prophetic. They've always had this sense of holiness around. Like we were here in this moment this morning where you could feel it in the room. We're like, heaven invaded earth. The room shifted and changed. At the risk of totally losing track with where I want to go. That is the point, is that we come into a moment and we worship. There's, a, there's a, a phrase that comes out of the Azusa revival. It says, we praise until there's a spirit of worship, and then we worship until the glory invades. Yeah. And it becomes this simple tutorial. It says, look, I believe the most important thing for the people of God to walk in and be clothed in is the presence of God. I believe in our day and in our time, the passion of God is to dwell on earth so thick that the lost could come in and go, what is that? And so we become the carriers of that task where we understand that it's been given to us in this gift called worship. And we can, as we walk in the fear of the Lord, we live in purity and in holiness in our private lives. We allow the scriptures to lead us and guide us. And then we come together and we begin to lift our voices in declaration of him who is faithful and true. All of a sudden, heaven invades earth and the supernatural becomes very natural. And that's the grid. This morning was fantastic. I was like, man, we don't really need to do anything else. It was just like, I could sit and sing that worthy, worthy, worthy phrase for the next three hours and probably be okay. That's right. And so this abiding presence of God seems to pull away from Israel. And they enter what's called four hundred silent years. And this is when Jesus is born. It's the, at the end of this. Really, if we're gonna what I want to do is set this up as if we look at this word hope and this word peace, this word joy and this word love. I think Jesus was sent at this time to be the restoration of these things being lost. The first one I look at is they had lost hope. And so if Jesus is sent to be one who restores hope, if that was his first primary mission, is it safe to say that one of his continuing missions in our lives is to continue to restore hope and build hope? How many would say that seems like a fair... Oh, that doesn't seem logical. We okay? How many just need more coffee? What I want to talk about this morning is the process of having hope built into us. Because I think there's two words that are important in this. One is hope and one is fear. Why are those two words important? Because hope is the belief that God's got this. I can trust him and it's going to work out. I live with this confident assurance that he's in control. Fear is on the other side of the continuum, which is I don't know that he's got this. I don't know that what I'm facing, he's really able to watch over. And I would say it this way, we're born with fear, hope is birthed in us. And a lot of us would say things like, Lord, I need more hope, I'm just feeling hopeless. And then when the Lord puts us in a process that builds hope, we get mad. We're like, I asked for hope, I didn't ask for difficulty. And I want to take us into Romans 5 this morning, if you would, let's go there. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand. Let me just time out. Woo! Because of our faith, Jesus has brought us into this place of what's that say? Highest privilege. How how many have ever considered that you stand from an eternal point of view in a place of highest privilege? Just let that one bake your noodle a little bit. And we confidently and joyfully look forward. Now, I've inserted this word hope because this is the New Living Translation and the actual word here is that we hope in sharing in God's glory. And we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know they are good for us. How many just learned something new? Your trials and tribulations are good for you. Say that to your neighbor. My struggles, real as they are, are good for me because they help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation, which is this word hope again. And this expectation or this hope will not disappoint us. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let's pray. Oh Lord, it's already been amazing just to stand before you, to kneel before you, to worship you. And we are so grateful for who you are. Lord, I love the incredible calm that's in this room because of your presence. I love that you do that. Holy Spirit, would you come lead us and guide us and teach us this morning as we study the scriptures? In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to consider this verse and break it down a little bit. If we look at this phrase, therefore, since we have been made right, who is the we in here? It's not a hard question. It starts with... uh, we and ends with we. It's us. Paul's talking to the believers. He's talking to the church. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And then he goes on and says, "So we can rejoice too." And this word can, re- this word phrase can rejoice is very interesting. We can rejoice. The root word here means to exult or to show and feel elation or jubilation. So it's, it's, it's a happy dance. It's the only way to describe it. It means I can just get happy. Let it become obvious. Now, the word can here is very important. Because what's hardwired in the Greek is what it really says is there's an opportunity for something. I would say this, opportunities must be chosen. So the first thing I want us to understand is this rejoicing idea that Paul's talking about here in Romans is not a natural byproduct. It's not going to just happen. It's a choice. And he goes on and says, for we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. This phrase run into means to Find yourself in the midst of something. So it's the idea of not, how many, how many if, if you had the Google map inside your head, that voice that tells you turn right for problems, turn left for peace, you'd always go left, right? So this is that moment where you're like, I don't know how I got here. Anybody ever been in one of those? How did we get in this? How many marriages have ever been in that moment where you're like, I don't know how we got here? You're liars. <laughs> Belinda and I will say, we have those a lot. I don't know how we got here. Why do I hate you today? I don't know. I hate you too. You know, and you got to work back through it. You're all like, he's so unholy. I'm just honest. But it's that moment where you find yourself in a situation that just happened. It's in the course of your normal life. You're in the midst of something. Because we would take run into and think, well, oh, I'm not going to run into problems. I'm, I'm going to avoid them. What Paul's saying here is that there are are places we will find ourselves, and I would love to say this, we are going to find ourselves in the midst of struggle. We are going to find ourselves in the midst of tribulations and difficulties. Jesus never promised to remove those from our life. And so often, we come into this thing and we believe our faith, the evidence of his love is that I won't have these things in my life. And Paul says here, that's actually not the case. For we know they are good for us. Now this is an interesting phrase, know here. It means experiential knowledge. What it means is, I've learned something by handling these things. By being in the midst of these things. It's, it's honestly knowledge that's gained through perception. Which means I've, I've felt it, I've touched it, I've been in it. And because I've been in it, I've learned something. And what I've learned is that they're good for us. This word good means of benefit. It's the idea of what it produces. It means I went through something and I learned on the other side, oh, that was good for me. For they help us learn to endure. See, this word endurance here is patient steadfastness. How many struggle with patience? How many would say, I don't struggle with patience, I just don't have any? (laughs) They help us endure. And I want us to catch this phrase, learn. They help us learn to endure. Problems are creating something in us. And this is... Not only did it help us learn to endure but this endurance develops strength of character. The root word here for strength of character is to test or prove something. So we could look at it this way what they really do is problems help to reveal my character. Because we don't really know the measure of something until it's tested. And all of this, Paul says, we can rejoice. So what he says is, this word rejoice is connected to these byproducts. The developing of endurance, that patient steadfastness, where I become one of those people like, you know what, my word is my word, I'm not moving off this place, when I, when I can hang in here and do this. That's the byproduct of this rejoice thing. Strength of character, Being one of those persons that that has character that's tested. People are like, that person's got character. That's actually the byproduct of this rejoice thing. And in that way, choosing to rejoice or choosing joy, catch this one, actually shapes poor character into kingdom character. And then he says character brings actual hope. And in this way, I would say this. What Paul's revealing here is a process. He says, you know what? Hope is actually something that's built and developed in you. And it's connected to how you handle your problems. You see, we say to the Lord things like, oh, I need more hope. I'm just feeling hopeless. And he's like, okay. And he plants us in a situation to build it. And then we get mad. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Uh, You just didn't know what you were asking for. Why would he do that? Because he's punitive? No. Because he understands that hope is on the other side of us learning how to handle our problems correctly. And there's no other way to give it. There's no other way to learn it. There's no other way to grow in it. We've all been given that fear nature. How many would say, I wrestle with fear all the time? How many would say, I've been gifted with that crazy wonder of what's going to happen? <laughs> How's this going to work? I don't know. I just got to know this, this job might end. I don't know. How am I going to get there? Do, I don't have enough money to cover this. What are we, You know how it takes off. But see, hope is this different thing where I stand steadfast and confident. You know what? He's got this. You know how I know he's got this? I've watched him do it over and over. So Paul says this, there's a process here. And I want to take a look at this phrase Trials and tribulations. The root word means to press. It's the idea of external pressure being exerted on something. How many have ever been around, near, or own a pressure cooker? How many are a little scared of them because it's kind of like inviting a bomb into your kitchen? You're like, I'm putting an awful lot of belief in someone's ingenuity to make sure that lid doesn't hit the ceiling. And then there's these cool warnings that say, stand a ways away while it's working. (laughs) It might detonate. Like, why did I bring this into my house? Because I'm too lazy to cook slow. (laughs) It's this root word to press, it's pressure. So I would say it this way for us to understand it correctly trials and tribulations are any situation I find myself in that's high pressure, and I feel pressed. How many have had a few of those lately? How many are in one right now? And Paul says there's something about how we handle these situations, whether it be our marriage or our work or our home life or school. Maybe it's a friendship. It doesn't matter. How we handle these matters because the development of hope is on the line. And what Paul reveals is that hope is built in me when I learn how to rejoice in the midst of these. Now I don't think that's hard to understand. It's pretty clear. If you want to go back and read it, just to make sure it's totally clear, I'll read it again. For we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they're helping us. The problem here isn't understanding that, yeah, well, I don't know. How am I supposed to say thanks for my problems? You're not saying thanks for your problems. You're saying to the Lord, I trust you in the midst of this problem. And I know that when I cry out to you for you to watch over my life, for you to pour into my life, here's what I know, Lord. I know that you're going to lead me and guide me into situations that will do just that. And while I might not understand this, might not even like it, I trust you. The concern I have is oftentimes we don't do that. We don't rejoice we don't find jubilation we don't exult we don't put on that I would call it the garment of praise we don't go vertical and just say thank you for who you are we love who you are thank you for your love your kindness your goodness all of it we just in the midst of these situations we do the other thing we go down we look at the ground we look at our navel we woe is me we get pessimistic we get negative and we start bad-mouthing God because how could a God who loves me put me in this situation he obviously doesn't know how hard this is And here's my concern. If it's true that the right reaction builds hope in me, then it's also true that the wrong reaction erodes my hope. And there's a lot of us that are walking in eroded hope because we haven't learned the discipline of praise in the midst of difficulty. Merry Christmas. (laughs) See, I would say your response to your trials And your tribulations matters James will say it this way consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds this word consider is vital this word consider actually means to mentally reckon it's an accounting term it's the idea of pulling something from one column and moving it to another and James says, when you find yourself in this place, make the decision to praise. Make the decision to put it into a place where you're gonna turn it towards him. I would say this is a battle of the mind. That whatever we're going through in life, whatever difficulty I'm facing, what's, what I have to do is win the battle of the mind. And I have to choose Joy have to choose praise and it's out of that choice that I grow in hope and what the world needs right now desperately is people that are full of confident hope people that could look someone in the eye and say hey I trust God I know he's got this I've seen it in my life over and over and over again come on follow me as I trust him let's stand this morning How many would say, I probably need to adjust how I face my problems? How many would say, man, I'm feeling pretty hopeless and now I think I know why? That's been my journey all week. Looking at this, I'm like, you know, every once in a while, you come out of a passage of scripture, you're like, I just feel like I got hit in the face. Because it's so easy for us to look at our circumstances and get fixated on them instead of looking at him. And I want to remind us this morning. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. I trust him with my life. Trust him with my future. And so in the midst of whatever difficulty I face, I'm turning that thing back to him. I want us to take bread and cup this morning. Whether that's with family units or friendship groups or alone, just take a moment with the Lord as we celebrate the bread and the cup. Another ancient sacrament of the church and we just stand before him and say Lord thank you for your body thank you for your blood thank you for what you did on the cross for me and begin to have a dialogue about how am I handling my problems maybe for some of us it's like Lord thank you for this what a great reminder maybe for others it's Lord I need you to forgive me because I've been running my mouth against you I've been running my mouth against everybody else I haven't been making the choice to count it joy Holy Spirit would you come and invade this time I love what your word does. I love that it calls us to be in control of our emotions, in control of our decisions, to turn everything back to you. And we just ask for your grace in this moment as we walk this out. In Jesus' name,